World episode 87, Nerd Lucky. I'm Brendan. And I'm Spindles. And on tonight's show, we've got Spindles' recap from The Asylum. We have reviews of Logan Lucky and uh, American Maid. Our reaction to the Game of Thrones finale and how right we were in some cases. And then a look at all the new shows coming in the fall 2017 season. Um, and there's some... 2077? Getting a little bit ahead of yourself there, sir. 2017. <clears throat> season um even and there's some weird shit in that list but we'll get to that oh later yeah on. there is <laughs> but this is my, as i was saying to you just before the show this is my favorite time of the year because we just get to pitch shows based on their like three line blurb and go that's gonna suck that's gonna be great that's gonna be awful and then just see how it turns out in a couple of weeks time one of my favorite things as well is finding is like Finding those shows that we think are going to be absolute car wrecks, but turn out to be really, really good. Well, that was it. We had several last year. We had Bull, Bull. and Designated yeah. Survivor, I think, both of which we dissed the hell out of in this yeah. in this show last year. And then they came on and they were both phenomenal. Bull was awesome. And it's, it's really weird. Like We left Bull off our roundup list a couple of episodes back as well. You know, we went through alphabetically. We did indeed. We fucked up at B and we, we missed up Bull, but... Yeah. Trust us to fuck up at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Normally our track record says that you fuck up at the end, but hey. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. For those who can't see, that was a death stare. <laughs> <laughs> Alright then. Uh kicking us on off to a strong start. Um Asylum, dude. Tell me all about it. Asylum. Okay. Well, uh, I mean, I, I I can give you my limited perspective for the weekend because, uh, as it turned out, I spent a lot more time doing the tech in the venue than I was originally anticipated to do, because uh, I kind of got there on on the Thursday night and saw one of the bands who were Victor and the Bully, who were awesome, fantastic kind of duo with ukulele and uh, and a guitar and vocals and backing track and stuff uh, that. The main guy uh, is kind of a, a stylized version of Satan, and it's just yeah, it's, it's really quite amusing. Um, and then they were due to do a kind of audience with the next day, um, and I was due to go there at three to do the handover with the the the, uh, the tech guy from the university. Uh, sadly, these guys were on at two, so I had to turn up a little bit early and then try and cobble together enough stuff to get them to actually be able to play on stage in an entire venue which I'd never been in in my life and had no idea about the sound system lighting system or anything sound engineer problems so yeah yeah utterly we managed to get the, uh, the the guy there on the phone and it was like me crawling under the stage flipping switches and stuff and so yeah it was like proper frankenstein moments of it's alive but no it was great and and yeah i had a whole venue's worth of tech to play with for a weekend and anyone who followed my facebook or twitter yeah. i posted my my awesome 360s of me sat in the sound booth <laughs> your, your 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 standard 360 photos Hell, 
Hell yeah. Well, I, I don't like to think of them as standard. I like to think of them as groundbreaking, earth-shattering, <laughs> and, and, and truly phenomenal. But if you'd like to say standard, that's fine. Okay, well, groundbreaking <laughs> and earth-shattering 360 photos. Uh, so, yeah, it was, uh, I mean, again, a fantastic weekend, as always. There's just so much stuff. It, it's kind of like Nine Worlds in the diversity of its programme, because it's got, like, uh, maybe seven or eight different venues all around the city of Lincoln so it's not just in one place there is stuff happening in the assembly rooms at the university in different places at the university uh, at the castle at the Westgate uh, a whole bunch of other places so there's there's all manner of things happening over the course of the weekend um, so yeah absolutely phenomenal as always a massively varied program of music live entertainment uh, get involved stuff we did some um uh, drink and draws with uh, Tom Brown, and yeah. uh, I, 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 I forget the other lady's name for which I apologise, and I will I will figure that out and post it in the show notes. But she uh, she actually very very kindly posted my colouring in that I did because <laughs> on the on the drink and draw session that that Megan went to the day earlier, it was like it was proper sketching, and they were doing great things, and then I went to one and it was colouring in. <laughs> So I got to colour some stuff in with Tom Brown and a bunch of other people and actually very kindly tweeted out a picture of my, my colouring in. So I'll put a link to that and you can judge for yourselves nice. how good a colouring in person I am. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I mean, the, the, the asylum is it, it's it's phenomenal. It's, you know, it takes over the whole of a city for the whole of a weekend. And it, it is literally like walking into another world because there's so much stuff there. You know, there the there was chitty chitty bang bang there was people with steampunk motorbikes and and bicycles and all manner of weird contraptions and backpacks and jetpacks and it's just yeah it, it, it it's literally anything you can conceive of but steampunk because they they reckon something like 250,000 people went through there over the course of the weekend jesus yeah it's it's just utterly utterly insane but it's it's one of the one of the best kind of conventions that I've been to, and for a lot of people who just want to turn up, it it is free. You can just turn up to the city of Lincoln and just wander around and see all the stuff that's going on. There are only like a few things, like at the university and the assembly rooms and inside the castle, that are for wristband holders only. Mm. Um, and yeah, you know, for the price of a wristband, it's it's actually cheaper to get a wristband for a day than it is to pay just to get into the castle and the wristband gives you entry to the castle as well so you know it's it's an absolute no-brainer that if you're around in lincoln on that weekend just get a wristband and wander around and see what's going on because that, that there is stuff to get involved in making and doing yourself there's markets you can buy stuff you can just go and look at um, exhibits you can do tea dueling yeah. you can do all sorts of stuff it's just it's such an amazing event and yeah so i, I what did i do so the yeah so i, I did on, on the friday i did a couple of things in the afternoon which were um, uh, performances and, and interviews and stuff then the friday night was <clears throat> a radio play called the gin chronicles which is a thing that's been touring around edinburgh and a bunch of other things at the moment uh, and that was it was absolutely hilarious a really really good radio play it was all set up on stage and the characters are sorry the actors are playing characters doing a radio play 
if you will. So it's that kind of uh, Marquis de Sade type thing of it's a bunch of inmates performing a play. Okay. Uh, and as well as having the, the the four actors, they had a Foley desk. So they had someone on nice. stage doing all the sound effects for the radio awesome. play. And that they had a, a gin-powered car that, for some reason, the, the sound effect was blowing bubbles in water while hitting herself in the face with a leak. <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> um, so yeah, that, that was Friday night. Then Saturday... Uh, that was where I gained my unexpected skill of the weekend, which is being able to safely deconstruct and store a pole dancer's pole. Nice. So Handy yeah, life skill. thing to my skill set. Hell yeah. So yeah, that's done. <laughs> Tick. Uh, and then Saturday night was the, it was a sing-along chitty chitty bang bang screening. So that didn't require too much tech from me. So it was just hit play and then go to the bar. Fair enough basically <laughs> yeah uh sunday was the big night and that was the um uh, the burlesque right. burlesque night and that was that was phenomenal that 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 was a lot of work but it was hilarious and brilliant so it was uh, a bit of a challenge for someone who hasn't been in a lighting box for maybe 10 years to have uh, gone in and done all of that for a weekend but it was great and then we had on the sun on the monday afternoon the last thing was uh, an audience with steam-powered giraffe, who are uh, a massive uh, American steampunk band, uh, and they came over and did an audience with it, did a big interview, and then did a photo shoot afterwards, and yeah, we sorted all that out. So, yeah, phenomenal weekend, and as I say, anyone who has any interest in steampunk or crafts or just you know quality entertainment, if your free August bank holiday weekend come to Lincoln, buy a wristband and have a wander around, um, undoubtedly you will find something that you enjoy. Awesome. This is, is this your second or third year there now? It's the second year I've been there because yeah, we went last year as punters and then this year uh, I was doing tech, Emma was doing uh, stewarding and Megan was working on a stall. Uh, who was she working with? So it's like uh, uh, the Toggery. Oh, okay. So it's, uh, yeah, same. She goes and works with uh, Sarah at the Toggery at, at uh, MCM yeah. as well. So it's properly Victorian of us. We send the nice. children to work. Yeah, stay, staying completely <laughs> on theme. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> Fair play. Well, and then you're back to uh, reality, so to speak. So to speak. <laughs> this next few weeks is, is actually ludicrous with stuff. Yeah. So it's it's not quite back to reality. It's just a mere blip of reality before disappearing off again. We're already filling up our schedule for uh, EGX in a couple of weeks. Well, that's what I'm saying, yeah. So it, it, it's literally a couple of weeks, then EGX, then a couple of weeks, then SFW, then a couple of weeks, then MCM. So it, it's just, yeah. yeah, silly busy. All right then, uh, next on the list, a couple of film reviews. Mm. Now, every now and again on this podcast, I make promises that I can't keep. <laughs> every, every now, now and, and then, then, folks. Uh, last time out, I said I'd be bringing you a review of The Hitman's Bodyguard. Uh, well, I saw a couple of reviews for it that weren't very promising. I didn't think it was going to be that great, and so I thought I'd save my money because there's some quality films coming out, coming up like it. It comes out this weekend. Uh, Kingsman comes out in a couple of weeks, so I thought I'd save my cash for that. You mean you don't have a Cine World Unlimited card, sir? I don't even have a. I don't have a Cine World near me, <laughs> so I've got a View, an Odeon, and an Empire, and the Empire is the best at the moment, if I'm honest. 
But I did see Logan Lucky, and I did see American Made. So reviews of those are just going to have to do. Is that fair enough? That's absolutely fine by me, sir. Yeah, that seems legit. I'm not a disgruntled listener. <laughs> if you're a disgruntled listener, um, <laughs> let us know. <laughs> and buy me a copy of Hitman's Bodyguard DVD when it comes out, and I will happily review it or for you. Or some kind of unlimited card for the cinemas yeah, you can yeah. get to. Yeah, it costs a fortune reviewing all these films. Um, okay, we'll start with American Made, because I want to finish on a high which kind of gives a little bit away. So American Made is kind of based on a true story, as much of these films that are based on true stories are, about Barry Seal during the 70s and early 80s, and his move from being a world-class pilot to working for the CIA, smuggling guns and drugs, and eventually working for the cartels as well in Colombia, and going back and forth like that. It's got kind of uh, a war dogs feel, I guess, for the sort of like, you know, regular no, regular Joe gets involved in things way above his head, uh, true story inspired event type film, um, like uh, American Air as well, sort of that blast from the past. It's Tom Cruise just exuding charisma all over the screen and being his smiley self. Um, but it's not really. You mean full smug of... self, satisfying self? Yeah, he's in that mode. So he's not in his earnest action star mode from like Mission Impossible or The Mummy or those sort of films. He's in just like his cocky bravado self. And I think that sort of thing he's he's better at because he does seem to be a very confident person in real life. If you know what I mean. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, what's, what's the so... character he played in, in Magnolia, the I love the cock guy? Yeah. Yeah. So it doesn't feel like he's it doesn't feel like too much of a stretch for him this role, you know. It's it's some guy who's just charming and confident and Tom Cruise is some guy who's charming and confident. Um but yeah, it's all about how he gets in over his head, about his relationships with the drug smugglers and the gun dealers and the government and then it's 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 basically a caper film. All the shit comes together and it inevitably goes wrong. Uh and it's told through the device of him basically like self-narrating the film as it goes through his own videotapes of what has been going on and then in the final act we see why he's keeping these videotape records of his experiences um but there's like no fucking around no foreplay with this film at all like you get two minutes of montage of him being a pilot and then he's straight into being picked up by the cia off doing his thing and it all ties into the contra scandal and the sandinistas and nicaragua and all that but yeah it's, uh, it's an entertaining way to kill an hour and a half, but it's not going to win any awards. It's not going to be on anyone's best of lists, but it's not a bad film. It's just uh, not amazing. It does what it does. So right exactly up there with, with War of the Worlds and Oblivion then, as far as Tom Cruise movies go. I'd say it's probably a little bit ahead of War of the Worlds. You know, um... It's it's perfectly watchable. It's completely inoffensive, sort of cinema material, but not going to break ground or break anyone's top five lists. That's for sure. Fair enough. A rainy Sunday. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's probably not worth a cinema trip if I'm completely honest. But when it comes on now TV or Netflix, give it a spin. Um, 
Logan Lucky, on the other hand, is a film that you need to stop listening to this podcast and go out and watch now. He's just joking, folks. Okay, yeah, yeah, wait till the end of the podcast and then go out and watch it. But yeah, um, that's a film that you definitely need to see. That's probably one of the best films of the year so far. So it's Channing Tatum, who has really grown on me as an actor. I just think he's got the comedy chops right down. Really looking forward to how he turns out in Kingsman uh, in the sequel. Uh, but yeah, he's uh, down on his luck. Uh, Blue collar worker, let go from his job, mending sinkholes underneath a raceway in Charlottesville. And he hatches this plan to rob NASCAR on their busiest day of the year. And it's an Ocean's Eleven star movie told in, you know, Middle America. And okay. it's just it, it's it's an utterly ridiculous concept. The heist uh and the, the characters involved in it, you got um Daniel Craig as a character called Joe Bang, who's an explosive expert who ends up making his explosives out of gummy bears and stuff that you find around the house and he actually during the heist explains the science of what he's doing to the other other guys involved uh, after they've broken him out of prison as well and Daniel Craig is fucking phenomenal in this film but yeah like so it's just ridiculous set piece after after another like they break him out of prison in the most ridiculous way he 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 blows shit up in the most ridiculous way using the most ridiculous things um but it all just works. It works like Soderbergh's other movies, like Ocean's Eleven, Twelve, and Thirteen. This ridiculous heist idea that shouldn't work but does, mm-hmm. and the fact that it's characters that don't usually get portrayed this way in film, like these guys are usually the the hick comic relief. Yeah, in films, or there's something sinister about them in films. They're never central characters and heroes at least not for a very long time not since like maybe Burt Reynolds era cinema if you know what I mean yeah um, uh, it sounds kind of similar that there's one that came out uh, it's probably back in early 2000s called Foolproof which is it's a heist movie with uh, Ryan Reynolds and uh, oh, I've forgotten his name the guy who plays Poirot David Suchet. David Suchet, yeah. And it, it's a heist movie with, with those two in it, and it's utterly fantastic. It's one of those ones that you can only watch like once or twice, because when it reveals how it's yeah. all done, it's it's like, oh, it's clever, but you know, you couldn't really watch it again. It was kind of like leverage pre-leverage. Right. But okay. yeah, that's it. it sounds similar to that. So if you've not seen Foolproof, check it out. Some early Ryan Reynolds stuff. Well, post post Van Wilder and pre Deadpool. That's quite a gap. Yeah, but yeah, I see. I see what you mean. Um, but yeah, this this is just really really good. It's a really enjoyable film, start to finish. Um, moments which should be cheesy actually seem to land with real emotional punch. There's a there's a scene in the second act where Tatum's daughter, who is brought into the American beauty pageant scene. And the hype that usually surrounds that in these sort of character films, uh, and sh- her performance should be one of those things which is cringe, cringe-inducing and sort of cheesy, but it's not. It's actually actually seems to sort of galvanise a lot of the last 
part of the film and set you up um, closer with the characters, which I think is the really good thing about this. Like the character work is great. Okay. Adam Driver plays um, an Iraqi war vet come back, and he's just got this really sort of undertone of can't think of the word for it. Undertone of something. Yeah, what's the word I'm looking for? Like something, something dark side. He's, 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 he's got this <laughs> something, something. Yeah, <laughs> he's got he's got this quiet pride about him, but he understands what he's done and what he's been through, and like he's got this obsession with the Logan family curse. He's convinced that things always go wrong for him and his brother mm. Tatum. Um, but yeah, it's just a cool confidence that isn't over the top. It's he he understands his place. Gravitas. Is that That's yeah. Gravitas is probably. That's the Getting closest close I can think of, yeah. 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 So let's, yeah, let's go, let's go with Gravitas. Yeah, Gravitas looks good. Um, so yeah, it, it's quiet and underplayed. But yeah, everyone's just really good in it. The whole thing comes together really well. Sodenberg, the, there's, a, there's a pop in the script that you expect from Sodenberg. If you listen to the dialogue in Oceans 11, 12 and 13... Uh, the interplay with Clooney and Pitt and with Casey Affleck and it's that flair is there in this script as well. Although it's it's scripted by someone called Rebecca Black, I think. Um and she's a first time writer. But there's been some there's been some word going around that actually that's a pseudonym for Steve Sodenberg. And that okay. he's actually written it. And there's enough in the script that would suggest that's the case, because the, he's got the dialogue nailed. Um, but yeah, it's it, it's awesome. Like, I've seen a lot of good films this year, and this is inching its way up towards being one of the best of the year for so far for me. Okay. Um, yeah, definitely go and see it. It's one. Of, it's it's a, it's a sleeper hit. Like the trailer gives very little away about it, and it doesn't really give away the feel of the movie either. So yeah, you should check it out. Cool. Yeah. There we go. That was worth the entry fee. <laughs> At least one of them was. Yeah, that makes me happy. Yeah. Right. Um, let's talk Game of Thrones then. Okay. We we hit quite a lot right. I, I, I think we hit a lot right. Yeah, yeah. I think Rami was wrong. Uh, well, I think... well, Rami is just always wrong. <laughs> Rami might have been just predicting wrong. season eight. <laughs> what did we think of the season as a whole? I think it, it felt rushed. It totally felt rushed. But you know, it, it's a criticism that has that, that's been levelled at it a lot. Uh, and I, I guess I would kind of echo it a little bit that you know, it feels like they spent a lot of time setting up time frames and then just blew them all out of the water this season. Yeah. Um, which, you know, I, I can understand why, uh, for the purposes of getting it towards a narrative conclusion. But I think, as I said on last episode, I, you know, I don't see any reason why they have to wrap it up in as short a time frame as they have. They could have taken Neither. their time and just done it, and the audience would have lapped it up. I think what... I, 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 it feels like they're not confident enough in their own writing going forward that they're just kind of going from bang to bang. Yeah, I think I think that's hit the nail on the head. 
Like, I think they're not confident picking up the story that George R. R. Martin set down for them. Yeah, and I think, you know, when so much effort has been put into creating the world and establishing distance and creating what is this kind of web of political intrigue as well as personal characterizations, I think they, they, they've picked that up and then they've been told what the end is and now they're just sprinting at it. Yeah. Rather than, you know, carrying on that kind of intrigue and and... You know the the whole you know, what's going to happen next, who's it going to happen to, and building up the suspense. It's just it it feels a lot of it feels like fan service. A lot of it feels like just yeah, just a, a, a lack of confidence in in their own ideas. Yeah, yeah, I, I absolutely agree. I think there's a lot of people saying it's the best season ever, and I think. When I would disagree gloss, totally. Yeah, when when the gloss comes off it, and when you watch this series along alongside the other seasons, then you'll actually see it for what it is. And it having, is... I mean, having rewatched the entire thing recently, I, season one is the best season because it takes its time to set everything up and lay everything out, and it even answers a bunch of questions throughout season one and gives you some shocks and sets things up for how it's going to progress. And you get payoff from characters, yeah. whereas I just, I just think with this, it it is literally just going right. There's an ending to that. Done. Yeah, it was a lot of spectacle, a lot of special effects, and a lot of hope on their part that we wouldn't examine the episodes too closely mm. if they gave us lots of dragons. Yeah. Um. Did you happen to see Rick and Morty? Uh, I haven't seen this week's one. No, that um, I saw last week's, but I've not seen this week's yet. You know they have the post-credit stinger. Yeah. The post-credit stinger on Game of Thrones finale night was just a black screen that said "Rest in peace, Game of Thrones writing, 2010, 2016." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. That some epic shade being thrown <laughs> Game of Thrones way by Rick and Morty, but yeah, I think. We mentioned during this, well, over the course of the season, we've talked about how things have been rushed. Um, and over the course of the season, you've maintained that point of view, and I've been the one who's been struck with the, no, it's fine, it's all really good, I'm enjoying it so far. But yeah, in, in the in the cold light of a post-finale dawn, looking back over what's actually happened in the season, it feels kind of like a bad role-play game, where yeah, the totally. GM is just cutting from scene to scene to get the party moving. Yeah, and it and it's literally like plot hooking all over the place. Yeah. You know. And the plot's this cut way out people as well. They cut so much stuff out mm. as well. They cut Yeah, apparently out... the whole bunch of scenes between Bran and Sansa yeah. and yeah, yeah. That explains why I uh, knifed Littlefinger. As yeah, I mean, as I think nice they... as that was, yeah. there should have been a lead to that payoff. Mm. And that payoff that that lead was kept off screen. Yeah. Which is an artificial right, uh, ratcheting of the tension. Yeah, indeed, because it didn't build up the whole aspect of was Sansa going to do it. It just, I think, it said, you know, that conversation between Sansa and Littlefinger was enough for us to believe that Sansa would murder her own sister, and yeah. it wasn't. It'd been much more satisfying if we'd seen the conversation with Sansa and Bran, where she was seen actually doubting. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, oh, yeah. And then you know then the audience is kind of in on it. The audience kind of knows already the little fingers for it. So, yeah, that, and to see what Littlefinger and Sansa post her meeting with Bran. 
so that he's overconfident and the audience are going, no, you're fucked, mate. Yeah. If the audience, the audience needs to know something the characters don't every now and again. Yeah. Uh, so that was missed. And apparently as well, they cut a scene uh, with Cersei. Cersei was meant to wake up uh, as one of the final scenes of the season in a bed that was just soaked in blood. It was meant to happen alongside the flashbacks to um, the Tower of Dawn. Okay. So she's meant to have miscarried, is the implication. Whether we see that in season eight or not, whether it's just been cut entirely from the continuity, we don't know. Mm, I guess that would blow out my theory that that's going to be what kills her, but yeah. I still think it's going to be Jamie, but like, yeah. Well, yeah, maybe. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess it felt like it was it was a feature length ending, but it didn't feel like a whole lot of stuff happened. No, absolutely. it was just it was a bunch of stuff we expected to happen happened, and then there were a couple of little twists. Yeah, uh, and the meeting, the meeting at Dragon's Pit, dragged out for too long. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, there's some real pacing issues, both as in terms of the. The in story time and the the out of story time. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, and I guess you know it, it's come back with a whole bunch of questions, and I, I, I'm not sure how much they are just the internet picking over the corpse of something, or whether there's anything to it, like the whole um, did Tyrion make a secret agreement with his sister. And that's why all of this is now happening thread. Yeah, there's lots of theories, isn't there? Like, they're saying that that's why he's looking disappointed Mm. at the end. Like, people are so quick to go into deep conspiracy theories about it. He's probably disappointed because he doesn't want their political alliance to be affected by a personal alliance. Mm. Tyrion's a very pragmatic person, ultimately, to some degrees. He's like, oh, fuck. Oh, well. I, mean, I, I guess the only thing that I, I kind of came out feeling a little unsure about was the relationship between Jamie and Cersei at the end of that. Because I didn't quite understand the dynamic there when Cersei threatened to kill him using the mountain. Yeah. And he went, go ahead. And Cersei said yes, but then the mountain didn't kill him. I thought she nodded to the mountain. He drew his sword, waiting for the order. Right, okay. I I, I interpreted the nod as go ahead. Yeah, th- Maybe no, that's think, just my I, interpretation then. I think I think the nod was sort of like, ready your weapon. Right, okay. And then it would have taken yeah. a chop him to bits. Yeah, it was, I think it, it was a bluff. Yeah. It was in the same way that she motioned to the mountain when Tyrion was in there. Right, and okay. He drew, um, he drew his sword. And, and Tyrion's like, Right. Yeah, and Tyrion okay. turns says, go on, do it then. I see. Okay, and then the only other thing is, is so has Jamie just ridden off on his own completely? Yeah, I think right. he's heading up north. So he's, he's, he's completely abandoned his post? Yeah. Okay, because I think that's the thing for me that makes it feel unlikely that, Tyri- that, that Jamie's going to be the one to do anything about Cersei. Because after doing that, I don't think Cersei will let him anywhere near. But that, that's just my take on it, but... Of course, the other, the other theories are that it's not actually Jamie or Tyrion that does it, but it's someone who looks like Jamie or Tyrion. So either Arya wearing one of the faces, or 
any of the nameless men came back with one of the faces to do it. Cool. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, what are your reckonings on whether Arya has added Littlefinger to her face collection? I don't know, but there's some really hilarious memes going around. I know. <laughs> yeah, there are. <laughs> so, <laughs> I I hope she has. Yeah, I think that'd be great. I'd really like to see him come back just for at least one scene in the final series. Yeah. Because he he has been one of the greatest characters throughout it, and he was the one I thought out of everyone who would survive through to the end, despite the fact that we hate the fuck out of him, and have done since season one. Yeah, but I I think his character was let down a lot in season seven. Yeah, well, yeah, well, I, he was, he, he was let down at previous points with the whole dread yeah. pirate Littlefinger thing. Yeah, but yeah. You know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Um, so, who do you think is going to win? Uh, well, I, 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 it's it's got to be Jon Snow. But I think he's going to die. But I don't think he can. Uh, you think? Well, yeah, that's that's the other theory, isn't it? That he's a fire white. He's he's an undead raised by fire, yeah. so he can't die. Because they're saying that when he fell into the into the hole yeah, in the into ice, the water, it's like how long does it take an undead army to clear a lake? Yeah, and it comes yeah. back up. So yeah. yeah. Um, so, do you think he's Azora High then? Yeah. Because he could take having a sword punched through his heart, couldn't he? Absolutely. That's that's how Lightbringer is forged, right? Yeah. Azora High has a sword thrust through his heart, and that causes Lightbringer. Yeah. That's. So yeah, he he could survive that. Yeah. So if if he survives that, he. But then yeah, but I I just think he's not going to be. I think he's not going to survive. I still think he's going to die, but I think he's going to become the Night's King. Okay. I think he's going to go the way of Uncle Benjamin. He's going to just hold on to his humanity. And then long die enough. a pointless, meaningless death because he can't get on a horse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a throwback to the last episode. <laughs> yeah, I think I think he'll he'll control his humanity enough, and then he'll take charge of the whites and march them march them back north again. He'll be the hero. He'll be the so no no credence to the Bran is the Night King theory. See, that's quite believable as well, but I don't know. I think that's a lot of horseshit. But yeah, really? Yeah, I'm, I'm not buying that at all. But it is really, really weird how the Night King's look in this season has sort of reflected Bran's face shape and features and stuff. That's uh, quite a uh, are, you, are you buying into the whole army of them was forming the Stark flag? Oh, no. I think, no. like, that's just... <laughs> yeah, you can find anything if you look for it. Bunch of horse shit. Yeah, that's like... <laughs> oh, that cloud looks like a spaceship type thing. From a certain point of view, from this one very particular point of view, of course, yeah. at this moment in time, it looks like a wolf. No, I don't buy that. I think that's crack of shit. I'm trying to narrow it. I'm trying to narrow it down by who I think is going to die. See, I think I still think John's going to die. I think Daenerys is going to die. I don't think Daenerys is going to die. I think that Cersei is definitely going to die. She has to. Uh, Jamie, I don't think will. I think I, Jamie I think will be will. redeemed. I think um, he's going to die. No, I think Jamie Jamie's due a redemption arc. See, I think his redemption arc is going to end with his death in Cersei's arms. There's that scene, is it season three or four, where Jamie's with Brienne of Tarth and they're talking about death. Mm-hmm. He's Because talk, he's talking about how he became a Kingslayer and the breaking of his oath. Yeah. 
and she says, how do you want to die? And he says, hopefully I'll die in the arms of the woman I love. Mm. And I think he's so only going to... That's foreshadowing. Yeah, I, I think if he if it is him that kills Cersei, I think he will Romeo and Juliet himself straight afterwards. <laughs> I think okay. he'll take some, I think I think he'll have saved some of the poison that he gave to Lena and okay. he he will kill himself. So I uh, in terms of other people I think will die, I think that the hound's got to kill the mountain. Yep. Definitely. Uh, and then I also think he's then got to go on and kill Quyburn. Yeah. There's yeah. a man deserving of a unpleasant fate. Of a very, very horrible fate, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm hoping Tormund survives, because I like Tormund. Yeah. I think Beric Dondarrion will die, but he still has something left to do. Yeah. So, I think he will die some kind of noble death associated with everything else. Sam, I reckon, will survive. Uh, uh, Melisandre? Melisandre, she's well, she's, she's due to die, as is Varys. Uh, yeah. And I think Arya will kill Melisandre. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. And then, yeah, Varys is due to die, much as I don't want him to, because I love Varys. Yeah, he's a great character, but yeah, I think he's going to buy it. Um, Arya and Sansa? I think they'll, they'll both survive, I think. And I just, uh, yeah, I, I think that, you know, Sansa will carry on doing what she's doing in the north, and John, if anything, will be down in the south eventually. And having to do what he's doing, or die, as you say. Yeah. Um, and then I think Arya will end up buggering off back to uh, the, the many-faced god. Right. After she's finished her list. Yeah, so out of that lot, who, who wins the throne? Well, I think it's got to be Daenerys. Daenerys or Jon. And I think Tyrion will always just end up being like the hand and, and the, the faithful sidekick. I'm going to have to work it through and work out... Much as I would like to see Tyrion doing it, I don't think he will. I think he will just always be there. Uh, and that kind of precludes him from any danger. So he won't get murdered because he's not king. Well, I think George R. Martin actually did name him as one of the five characters who make it to the end. Yeah, well, I think he'll definitely make it to the end, but I don't think he'll be king. Yeah, and he did say amongst them, he said Arya Stark, Daenerys, and Jon Stark. Jon Snow, the other ones... There's a fifth, I can't remember. But yeah, don't know. I think Bronn sadly has to die at some point. Yeah, which is a shame. Maybe maybe he fights Jamie when Jamie comes back to King's Landing. <clears throat> I don't think so. I don't, I don't think he would. I, I mean, I know they've been kind of playing on Bronn's mercenary nature a bit this season, but I, I still don't think he would. Uh, the one other character that I'm not sure about and how they fit into the grand scheme of things and how they will end up is Gendry. Oh, uh, yeah, the bastard Baratheon. Mm. He's the only one I'm not sure how he's going to end up. Because I'd kind of written him out, and then he came back. We'll wait and see. But yeah, that's mm. uh, two years away now, isn't it? 2019. Uh, yeah, they reckon 2019 yeah. they'll be screening the next one, yeah. But, as is the case for the last couple of years, the last episode of Game of Thrones kind of puts the uh, the nail in the coffin of the summer season. And it's time to look forward then to the fall season. Yay, what a segue, you pro. I know, right? It's like we've been doing this for fucking years. Um, okay, so this is one of our favourite times of year. We get to look at all the show pitches for new, new shows starting in the next couple of weeks and months. 
Uh, and we get to just, well, we get to wreck on them, really, just rinse them for being good or being <laughs> shit. Yeah, basically, we get to kind of say, that's shit, that's great, this is going to be awesome, and then we'll find out in a few weeks' time whether we were wrong or not. Yeah. Um, I've got quite a list, so let's machine gun through this quick fire. Okay, you, you um, go for your list first, sir. Okay, HBO show, starting on the 10th of September, called The Juice, starring Maggie Gyllenhaal. It is a look at the early years of the porn industry. So it's looking, okay. it's looking at the relaxation of the obscenity laws in America at the time, and how an illegal sort of industry became the multi-billion dollar industry that it is today. So Maggie Gyllenhaal building on her uh, secretary yeah. credentials. Yeah, It's HBO, so expect violence, expect strong language. Expect, TNA! Yeah, TNA. Here we go. Next one. Oh, me one? Yeah, okay. Back and uh, forth. okay. Uh, oh, right. Okay. So, uh, my first you one that, is. Well, yeah, yeah, you, you really <laughs> should, but, you know, I won't hold it against you. Uh, so, one from CBS is called Wisdom of the Crowd, and it's Jeremy Piven and Monica Potter in a drama about a tech genius who creates a real time crowdsourced crime solving website to help get to the bottom of his daughter's murder. I feel like we've seen this before. It's kind of person, person of, of interest. interest-y. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah, exactly yeah. where I went. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. But, but Jeremy Piven. <laughs> okay. Because uh, um, he's so money. <laughs> a Netflix show coming on the 15th of September, American Vandal. It is a mockumentary docu-series crime drama about wow. penis graffiti. A what? You know, right, okay, so you know the crime dramas. A mockumentary crime... Yeah. What? A mockumentary crime drama comedy thing. Okay, so, <laughs> alright, we'll break it down. Like, you know you have your uh, documentary fly-on-the-wall crime series that's, yeah. you know, where they Cops. break down... Yeah, basically, where they break down all the stuff that's been going on, build the case, look at the people. This is a mockumentary version of that, all about a high school student who was accused of drawing penises on things and he gets expelled from school because of his penis graffiti and it's a proper it's set out exactly like a real life crime fly in the wall series but it's very tongue in cheek obviously okay. it's mocking it's mocking the genre by following so close to the genre it's hard to tell whether it's satire so it's, or not it's the office meets cops yeah <laughs> and that's going to netflix on the 15th of september oh, okay there we go. Oh, sorry, I, I forgot to say Wisdom of the Crowd is CBS on the 1st of October. Ah. So, my next one is Kevin Probably Saves the World. This already sounds interesting. Uh, so, this is an ABC show. Uh, it's Jason Ritter, who plays a guy called Kevin, uh, who uh, apparently is a guy who's far from sainthood when a woman played by Christella Alonso shows up in his life and tells him he needs to find 35 righteous humans to save the world. Uh, he's pretty sure that she's got the wrong guy, and because it's a comedy, she definitely has the right guy. So this is um, a weird riff on My Name is Earl? Yeah, kind of, yeah, but with end-of-the-world vibes. Okay. Uh, I think one... And that premieres October 3rd. One we can both agree on, I think. 24th September, Star Trek Discovery on CBS. Hell yes. Bring it on. So, it's going to be quite unusual that they're premiering the first two episodes on CBS. 
all access and then from then on the rest of the season is going to be on their own private cbs on demand show fortunately for uk viewers we get on netflix the day after so it will start in the uk on the 25th on netflix uh looking forward to seeing where this goes very much so you know i mean it, uh, an idea conceived by uh, oh, i've forgotten the showrunner's name now the guy who did pushing daisies and uh went on to do american gods completely forgotten his name the showrunner nope gone uh it will come back to brian fuller that's brian it fuller, yeah you know originally conceived by him and I'd, i've loved everything he's done so i'm hoping that his influence still lives on in the show and you know it's 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 taken on board Sasha from The Walking Dead, who met her ignominious demise at the end of last season. Yeah, we'll see where it goes. It's it's following her story more closely than the captain's, so it's kind of unusual. Yeah, so regards. it's apparently yeah the, the first one that's following the first officer's story yeah. rather than the captain's story. So yes, definitely looking looking forward to that. I just you know it's the the only quibble I have is that I really want them to do something post Voyager, post DS Nine. Yeah. Because everything since then has been a prequel. Yeah, I would love to see the after. I would lo- I would love to see the Federation in the aftermath of one Voyager's return and two rebuilding after the Dominion War. Absolutely, I, I would love you know, that. It's, it's the thing I'm crying yeah. out for. Because it's a broken uh, Federation and, at that point. You know, yeah, we've we've broken. And the I think that's more out. interesting than going back and replaying stuff we already know. Yeah. Plus, prequels will always fall into the problem of looking better than the shows that they're meant to proceed. You know? Yeah, indeed. And and being better plotted and stuff. Yeah. So it's like, you kind of go, uh, <coughs> okay, this is a really interesting season arc, and then, and now next up is Star Trek, the original series. Why has the writing suddenly become so crap? Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. Why have they kind of suddenly got rid of all of these wonderful wonderful character archetypes and gone to the most base human stereotypes available. Ah, there, okay. there, there was like a post DS9 Star Trek series planned, wasn't there? So I'm sure Colmini was on board to play uh, an instructor at the Academy. Like Starfleet Academy was touted for a while. Starfleet Academy was touted for a while, but I don't know whether that was supposed to be post DS9. Or post-Voyager? Post-DS9, I think. I think it's after he returns to Earth. Okay, so he's supposed to be O'Brien in yeah. a return to Earth. Right, okay. Yeah. Okay, uh, I, I, I'm not sure, but yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I hope it does well, and I hope it does well enough that we then get a new series, not a prequel. Yeah. Do your pick. Okay, uh, yes, so next up is another ABC show called The Good Doctor, okay. which is uh, Freddie Highmore, now that uh, the Bates Motel prequel thing is all finished. Yep. Uh, he's back to play an autistic genius who takes on the residency at a hospital and finds he still has to convince everyone around him that he's capable of solving even the toughest of medical cases. So is this Dr. House meets Doogie Hauser? Yeah, yeah, it's it's yeah, Doctor Househauser, MD. Yeah, I'm sold. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Okay. <laughs> I, I guess the only thing for me is that it's Freddie Highmore, and every time I see him, he reminds me of what an irritating little shit he was in his early roles. <laughs> okay, well, let's. Move. But I'm sure I'll get over that eventually. 
Let's move from one young autistic genius to another young autistic genius. CBS are bringing us the show we never knew he wanted and never asked for. Young Sheldon. Oh, God. Yeah. yeah. No, I know. Oh, what, what are your thoughts on oh, this? Oh, my thoughts are that it's going to be shit. Let's be honest. I think it's going to be shit. But... And it's voiced over by Jim Parsons. Yeah. So it's narrated by him, but it's early years. Yeah. So I I I I just yeah I I can't see it working. Yeah, it's a one camera setup rather than a multi camera setup with the Big Bang Theory. Yeah. There's no yeah. laugh track, so the jokes are going to fall completely flat. Um, there's already a canon of Sheldon's life established in the Big Bang Theory, so they quote they sort of tied their own hands there in terms of how the writing's going to be, and it's literally straight after Big Bang Theory. They've put it in the half hour slot after Big Bang Theory, which shows. No faith in it, from my point of view. Yeah, indeed. No. Uh, I think the the only thing that vaguely interested me was in terms of the cast, uh, and that was who they got to play Meemore. Uh And let me see. I can't remember who it was. Who was it? It's someone that struck me as interesting. Annie Potts. Right. So Annie Potts as Meemore. That was a kind of. You know what? I'll watch it just to see how that goes because yeah. I love Annie Potts in pretty much anything she's been in. But yeah, there's that. So this this is our new show to look out for section, and that's one show to look out for and possibly avoid wherever possible. But we could be wrong about it. We've been wrong before. We could totally be wrong. We've been wrong Once before. Or twice. This episode, in fact. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, your pick, sir. Okay, so this is well. This is the last one of mine. Uh, so I hope you've got, got one. Uh, my last one is another ABC one. ABC seems to be bringing out all the ones I'm really interested in this year. So this one's called The Crossing, okay. uh, and it's the tale of 47 survivors who wash up on the shore of a small fishing town, claiming to be from the future. Then uh, the guy who's the sheriff is trying to figure out whether they're telling the truth about the war that they're fleeing from, even though the war doesn't occur for another hundred years. That sounds really interesting. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I'm gonna. It sounds kind of like Lost crossed with the leftovers. Okay. Okay. I'm I'm down for that one, for sure. Okay. Sticking with ABC then, on the 29th of September. Marvels and Humans. Yay! Mind you, I'm I, I'm a little bit concerned at the really negative yeah. reviews that have been coming out. Okay, uh, yeah. So the reviews that have been coming out so far have been pretty negative. There's a couple of things to consider when you read those reviews, though. Firstly, they've been looking at IMAX screenings of this show, um, and for love nor money, ABC is a TV studio, they they might shoot things well, but they're not going to shoot things with, like, photography in it mind. stand up for on IMAX. IMAX. So, yeah, that's a massive drawback. I'm not sure why they felt they had to do this, why they wanted to do this, like, a month ahead of its terrestrial release. Um, but it appears to have backfired, because the reviews have not been kind. Um, but I'm I, I'm thinking that's the problem is, is I think if they're not confident in it they're trying to generate some yeah. buzz around it early and it's failed yeah I'm not sure about it I mean I'm looking at my list of stuff and there are two other Marvel shows on my list not from ABC 
they're from different networks. There's one from Fox and one from Hulu. But yeah, mm. I, I'm I'm getting slightly concerned that we might be seeing the bursting of this particular bubble. Marvel saturation. Because yeah. Defenders wasn't great. Um, Iron Fist, Iron Fist terrible. Yeah, we could be getting towards a point now where superheroes are saturating the market and that bubble will burst. But it's done it before and we've rebounded, so we'll be okay. Hell yeah, you know, we'll just be back to reading comics yeah. for a few years. <laughs> we've done it There's before. There's actually another comic adaptation on my list that isn't Marvel coming up. Um, Ghosted. Yeah, this is a, another one that was yeah. on my list as well. But yes, uh, Fox taking the piss out yeah. of itself. Uh, the Bureau of the Unseen, isn't it? In LA. Yeah, yeah. So it's yeah. It's, it's an X-Files piss take. Yeah, it, it's a sceptic gets matched up with a yeah. true believer to investigate paranormal in a comedy. Yeah, so it, it is X-Files meets Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Yeah, yeah. Which I'm down for. And yeah, I, I'm I'm totally up for that. I'm going to see how it goes. Um, sticking with Fox, and this is the the second of the Marvel lot, The Gifted. Yes, this is the X Men yeah. spin off with Brian Singer. With yeah. Atka. So yes, I'm already sold. And Stephen Moyer and Stephen Moyer from Stephen True Blood. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's mutant family on the run after their kids manifest powers. So yeah, it's an X Men spin off, very loosely because it's under the Fox license holdership. Um, we'll see how it goes. Okay, moving into November and on to Hulu. On the 11th of November, we get a show called Future Man. Uh, exec produced and directed by Seth Rogen. Stars Josh Hutcherson from The Hunger Games and Hallie Joe Osment. Uh, Josh, Josh Hutcherson plays a janitor whose gamer skills come in handy as time travellers recruit him to save humanity. Okay, two issues. Hallie Joel Osment. I refer you to my previous pretty high yeah, comment. Uh, and also, he did another one recently called Continuum, which is a film that's on Netflix that's about him and his dad and time travel, and it was kind of rubbish. I don't know, man. If Seth Rogen hadn't done such a good job with Preacher, I'd have been more worried, you know? Quite. That's about the only thing that kind of intrigued me, was you said Seth Rogen, I was like... Well, Preacher's pretty yeah, Preacher's awesome. Pretty Speaking good. of which, season finale next week, and it's looking amazing. Uh, and just the whole, like, I think this is one. This is the 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 core of what we look for on this episode every year. That that intro. He plays a janitor whose gamer skills come in handy as time travelers recruit him to save humanity. I'm sold. That elevator pitch has me wanting to watch that show at least for one episode. It's Armada. Uh, yeah, yeah, kinda. Armada's probably closer towards <laughs> Ender's Game than anything else. Yeah, 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 so, true. Um, okay, moving on. Sticking with Hulu, but we're back to the third Marvel property on this list, and that's Runaways. Don't know anything about this one. Is it? Is this the Cloak and Dagger one? Or this is, is uh, it's, it's moving into the young adult category. It's six teenagers who discover that their parents are secretly supervillains. So, okay. Yeah, uh, it's been handled by the guys who did the OC and Gossip Girl. So you know, a lot yeah. of fluff. Okay. A lot of characterization work, which is probably good for this particular brand of the Marvel franchise. Um, whether we see the same sort of trite drama situations that we see in those shows or not is a different matter. Uh, 
how much of the actual Marvel stuff comes through remains to be seen, but it's at least piqued my interest for now. Okay. Well, while we're on the topic, I know it's not an upcoming show, but it has just been released, and that is the new live-action version of The Tick, which is available on Amazon Prime. And I've watched the first three episodes of it, and, you know, I love the original cartoon series. It is one of my favourite shows of all time. While this is not up to the same level as that, it's an interesting idea. And I like it. And Peter Serafinowicz is brilliant at channeling Adam West oh, as yeah, the tick. So uh, that's very, very good. It, it, it's an intriguing show. I'm interested to see how it goes and how it kind of matches up with the uh, the original cartoon. But the first three episodes, they've whetted my appetite and I'm enjoying it. So do go and check out the tick. It's, yeah, it's awesome. a good show. Okay, this is the last one on my list then, and I think this one, more than Future Man, perfectly sums up what we're looking for in our our new show pitches. So the show is called Happy. It is based on a limited run graphic novel series by Grant Morrison. It stars Christopher Maloney as a corrupt ex-cop turned hitman whose life of casual murder, soulless sex and betrayal is upended when a tiny positive, imaginary, blue-winged horse called Happy invades his life. Happy is played by Patton Oswald. I'm in. Where do I sign? I know, right? Like, so... <laughs> Literally, take my money now. Yeah. That's awesome. So, Happy is this blue-winged horse played by Patton Oswald, and he comes to Christopher Maloney's Hitman character at a really obscure time. Like... It's coming out on the 29th of November, so it could be just a, a TV movie over four episodes, perhaps. I'm not sure what the runtime is going to be for it. Um, but the graphic novel it's based on was set at Christmas, and it is all about how this guy, the detective, gets shot, and he's got the cops after him, he's got the mob after him, and he's trying to solve the case of this monstrous child killer who's roaming the streets dressed as Santa. Yep, that's it. I, I'm in my new favourite show right there. So yeah, it's called Happy. It's out on the 29th of November. Um, and yeah, it's, it's probably the one I'm most looking forward to, which is why I saved it to last. Yeah, no, that that's awesome. So you mean out of all the new shows, the one you're not looking forward to the most is not the CW's reboot of Dynasty? You know, I can live without that. When I was making my list of shows, like, did I put that in my list of shows? I thought, no, I fucking don't. Nope, me neither. (laughs) It can go fuck itself. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Um, yeah. So that's that's a very very quick preview of some of the new shows to look out for. Tune back in next year to find out how right or wrong we were. (laughs) Uh. Next episode, we'll be looking at the returning shows and the dates for that, and we will put a list of. Well, a calendar of all the new, of all the new returning shows and their airing dates um, on the website. So be sure to visit that and check it out. You, you know, you said earlier about mentioning things to me before you said them. Oh, I'm doing it, mate. Don't worry. <laughs> I, do, I, like you, I, like keep, I like to keep you busy, mate. I like to keep you on your toes. <laughs> cool. Cool. Um, yeah, so that's all for this episode. Just to, before you finish off, oh. we've got to do the plug of us being at Stuff. Oh, yeah. Don't forget we're going to be at Stuff. 
We are going to be at EGX um, from the 21st of September for the full four days. So Thursday, Friday, Saturday and the Sunday, we will be there. Um, Playing games with the best of you. Yeah, but come if you see us, come and say hi. Make sure you're following us on Twitter because that's where we'll be posting where we're at. Yes, so there's that. And then uh, I am going to be at SFW in the city. Uh, a couple of weeks later, which is the first weekend of October, uh, I'm lined up to do a bunch of interviews, uh, which I can't talk about at the moment because I'm not allowed. Uh, but as soon as they go public, then then look at those. And all, all I can tell you is that I will definitely be doing the first interview of the weekend. So I'll be there from the outset and then some others. Awesome. And then MCM at the end of October, we will be there as well. Yep. Cool. And on next episode, we will have reviews of it because that comes out this week. And long-time listeners to the show will know where I stand on horror films ever since Event Horizon. Um, Behind a sofa. Yeah. So I am biting a fucking big bullet for you guys. I'm going to go to watch it and I'm going to the midnight previews <laughs> just for extra brine pantedness of it all. So I hope you fucking appreciate what I do for you. Don't tell him I'm going to be hiding behind his car in clown makeup with a balloon when he comes out. I, I, would, I would scream like a girl and run away. <laughs> I really would. Um, yeah, and of course we'll have all the dates for all the returning shows. Cool. And likely a bunch of other stuff. Yeah. Yeah, plenty of stuff to talk about. Um, but until then... Oh, I've already fucked it up, haven't I? You see, I told you. See, I've already fucked up the ending. Like, this is episode 87. I've done this at least 86 times before. One day he'll learn. Well, that's all for this week. I've been Brendan. I've been Spindles. And until next time, take care and be excellent to each other. Ta-da! Ha, 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 ha,